Hello, and welcome to this edition of Secure Networks, the Index Packet Forensic Files, with your host, Michael Morris. This week's very special guest is Rick Jensen, VP of Field Operations for Plixer. Rick, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, hi, Michael. Thank you for having me. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been you know in the industry for over 25 years now. Um, I've always been on the technical side of um, sales and support. Um, started my, my life working for Sprint, um, okay. spent some time at Nortel Networks, and then um, had some time to do some uh, enterprise roles as a uh, network and security architect, uh, incident responder, QA, uh, a few other roles here and there, and then um, ended up at um, a company called Arbor Networks for about 17 okay. years. Um, uh, it was purchased by Netscout, and now Plix are here. Oh, all right. I, I didn't know you had all that background at Sprint, too. So uh, you're perfect for this conversation, which one of the things I've been hearing a lot about is, is security at scale. And, and many organizations are having challenges maintaining robust security, considering the dynamic nature of their environment, the on-demand infrastructures, you know, cloud, hybrid cloud, and, and surely their tremendous scale. So with your background, what does it mean to have security at scale? Yeah. So, you know, having security at scale means that, and this is a hard point, you have to have, you have to make sure that you pick and choose the the solutions that are going to be your security solutions um, that will not only fit what you need now, but will fit as your network is growing and changing, as you just mentioned, you know, in the the SaaS services and platforms Mm -hmm. in the public cloud. Um, you know, not every solution is going to fit in every place. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, that is a challenge um, that, that we continue to face um, uh, and, and will continue to face as, as things evolve. Um, uh, operationalizing these solutions as well um, becomes very difficult because of the, the sheer volume of, of data that's coming in from the network uh, into these solutions, right? It is going to, is going to cause a lot of output um, mm-hmm. towards the uh, operational teams. So it, 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 that is the, the biggest challenge of security at scale is exactly that, security at scale. <laughs> yeah, and, and aside from the sheer volume, right, of, of data and, and events, you know, we hear a lot about, um, you know, just SOC teams overwhelmed with events, are there other things that make it really tough in terms of challenges? I mean, just beyond volume? I think, um, yeah, you know, I, I think volume is certainly something that is, is, is a problem. But what, you know, what has really caused the issue is that, so look, every security solution is going to have alerts. Yeah that's their goal in their security solution. They have to right. detect things, right? Yeah, yeah. And what, what teams often do is, is they buy different solutions for different things, but there's overlap. And if you're not careful about handling how you're going to handle the overlap, you now get inundated with, with you know, double the alert for one event. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was the promise of the SIM a long time ago was right. they were going to reduce this. Mm-hmm. And I guess we could all argue that they did or didn't, um, you know, hit their mark. Right. Um, you know, which is why, 
you know, SOAR came out and which is why now XDR is out. Um, everybody is promising to do a better job at correlating events. And so, yeah, I think that's really it is that, is that this is what happens at scale is, is that we try to find solutions that will fit everything we need yeah. and they end up having overlap. And then we get inundated with, with volume. So, so one of the things we need to focus on is, um, is sort of tr- trying to eliminate the volume by, by having quality of alerts and being very, very particular about who, who, what alerts we're going to listen to. In other words, mm-hmm. you have two systems that have 40% unique capabilities, but 60% overlap. Figure out which one you want that 60% to come from and turn it off on the other. Don't let it double your volume. No, that, that, that's a great point. Uh, the redundancy on some of these things and the overlap. Uh, I actually haven't heard many people talk about that. And that's, that's a great point. Where, where are you seeing most organizations fall short in their strategies mm-hmm. and approaches to maintaining robust security at scale? Yeah, that's a great question. So I've had a lot of meetings with, you know, with vice presidents of security and, and managers and CISOs. And the interesting thing is, is, is especially the CISOs that I've talked to over the past several years, the number one struggle is with having complete visibility into their network. Um, a couple of years ago, I think I interviewed six within about three months. Five of the six gave themselves a failing grade in pure visibility. Wow. Yeah, it was really an eye-opener for me. And, and just we're talking just, just basic visibility, mm-hmm. right? just being able to see what's in that network. Um, and you know, that's what it's always been about is, is you have to have the visibility into your network in order to be able to detect events, uh, and threats and, mm-hmm. and see the actors, you know, doing what they're doing. And if we're continuing to struggle with that, that's a problem. Yeah. No. Um, so today, you know, this is something that we always talk about today is, is, is being able to have pervasive network visibility, um, in order to, de- to start to detect the threats in your network. No, that, that's tremendous insight and astonishing feedback you got um, with with how how long we've tried to manage networks um, and and have that visibility that you talked about. So, what are some of the key best practices uh, that you could recommend or suggest to any large organization to start to get really on the right path for improving their security posture? Um, I don't know if this is exactly best practices or not, but this is what I would probably would say was, was if you follow a process that goes like this, prepare your network, deploy your solutions, test them, train your team, monitor, consistently monitor the, the, um, the solutions and practice. And if you take that, those steps and you make that process a circular process, I think you'll be successful. And the way I look at this, right, is, is preparing your network, mm. get visibility, right? Deploy your solutions, right? Get that visibility and that detection net out there. Test. Make sure you test those solutions to catch what you want to catch. Train your team. Obviously, they have to know how to use a solution. Monitor. Obviously, they, you know, you, you, once you get everything in place, you want to monitor that. And then most importantly, I, I think is, is practice, right? Is making sure that the teams, you know, are not just reacting to events as they come in, but they're practicing on how to react to those events before they come in. 
or do yeah, it while no. going in. Security fire drills, that's that's a thing I've been hearing repeatedly from CISOs and, and SOC experts is um, having those uh, repetitions of of knowing how to react, how to respond, when to engage authorities, things like that. So, no, I, th I think you're spot on there. You know, we talked about um, one of the big challenges large organizations have is sheer volume of alarms and trying to simply work through them all. Um, and, and one of the key things I keep hearing about it is decipher the real issues from the false positives, right? Because there are so many informational events and, you know, pattern matching events that are not really malicious activity, right? It's, it's right. A, a false positive. So what are your, what are your suggestions really to address this? Yeah. Um, so we, we talked about a little bit about, you know, about mm -hmm. sheer volume of alarms and, and, you know, making sure that, you know, the, the solutions that you have in your, in your network aren't duplicating as much as they can. Um, th that's one thing, but um, the other thing you have to realize, and again, this is, this, you know, for as long as I've been doing this, is this is is, is true, is that there's no perfect system, yeah. right? You know, there's no God box. Um, you know, you need to expect that you're going to have false positives, right? And you have to you have to deal with it. It, it, it it's not going to change. Every system, every solution that I've I've ever seen, every everybody's ever seen, is imperfect. It will make a mistake at some point in some time. Um, that's just the way it is. So. The interesting thing about the process we talked about just a, a few minutes ago, right, is practice, right, is, is you know, when you're trying to um, determine what a real issue is from a false positive or just a, an abnormal behavior on your network, that's really not, not malicious, but abnormal, mm. is if your team is practicing, if they're having the, the red team, blue team drills, um, they will become good. Yeah at understanding what real events look like and what, what other events look like that may not be malicious. Right. Mm. And the way I like to think of it is, is, um, you know, is re repetition just gets you used to seeing these things, especially if you can do it on the solutions that you're working with in, in your network. Right. Mm -hmm. If you have practice networks um, set aside, you know, you can, you can run through drills and not have to worry about your real network, you know, having problems, but, you can be playing with this on a, on a, on a side court, if you will. Right. Um, and I think that is the, the biggest thing here is, is, is having your teams trained up and practiced. Um, will get them through the volumes of alarms more quickly and more efficiently. No, that's, and you actually kind of hit on some of my next question, which um, is really what other approaches can knock and sock teams do to improve their incident response. And I, I think you're nailed it with the practice and repetition thing. Are there some other thoughts you might have of? Uh, I mean, it, I mean, it really is practice, 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 but yeah. I get, to give you an example of what I'm talking about here, I I've run, um, you know, red team drills in the past. Yeah. And um, I, we've actually done it from a sales perspective. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I've been able to take novice users, put them in front of a system teach them a little bit about the system and then run them through drills. And in the matter of four hours, I've been able to take, take that novice and have them become an intermediate user, right? Where they're understanding the patterns or seeing the patterns or figuring out what's real and what's fake. And they're able to react in such a way where they're making less and less mistakes in a span of four hours. Mm. 
And it's just because they're, we're practicing, we're running over and over right. and over again. And if you think about, you know, we're, we're in the NBA playoffs right now, yeah. right? And if you think about, you know, any, but any team, they don't just go and play. Yeah. They practice, right? They run these drills all day long, you know, every day of the week. That's what we have to do here as defenders. Yeah. Um, and the reason why I say that is uh, a really smart CISO. Uh, his name is Sam Curry. He, he's actually the CISO of Cyber Reason right now. Said to me once, and this really resonated with me, is that as defenders, we have to be perfect every time. But as an attacker, we have to be perfect once. Right? If you do that, if you're an attacker and you're perfect once, you win. But as defenders, we have to be perfect every single time. Yeah. The only way we're going to get there is if we can stop firefighting, practice, and be able to handle things more proactively. Oh, that, that's an excellent point. It's funny you you mentioned that. I, I haven't heard a lot of folks talking about red team, blue team. And, and so your expertise in that area really hits home because I, I used to work at a test company that offered red team, blue team drills, scenarios, and things like that. Um, how many, and it's a little bit kind of deviating from our conversation, but how many organizations do you think actually are consistently doing red team, blue team drills? Uh, not enough is what I'm going to say. That's, um, that's what I thought too. To be honest, have have no idea what a you know percentage of the of the enterprises out there are, are doing or not. But um, what I what I what I will say is um, when when I've worked with different organizations, it it becomes very obvious to me within the first hour if they are proactively running drills or not. You can just tell by the way they do things. Um, you know, if they're if they are fumbling on the keyboard to try to figure out what's going on, or if they're just sort of executing a playbook type of a mentality, yeah. you can tell that they are organized. You can tell that they are competent. You can tell that they are practicing. Um, what I what I will say is 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 you know it really is a tough rabbit hole to dig yourselves out of if you if you're inundated with alerts and you're not trained enough and you're not practiced enough, you get stuck down that rabbit hole. And it's really hard to pull yourselves up. But I think it's important for anybody listening here to, to pull themselves out, to stop, pull themselves out, take some short-term pain for some long-term gain and do double duty by, you know, working your day job and practicing afterwards, staying later, um, just, you know, working harder for a little while longer to get yourselves out of, of that hole that you've dug for yourselves. It is the best feeling once you get to where you want to be. It's the best feeling for that for you and your team, and you become you become a successful organization. I, I think you've nailed it, and and I I think you're spot on. I, I talk to so many organizations where they're so overwhelmed. I don't see them taking the time to 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 step back and say, "Let's do some drills. Let's do some scenario planning. Let's even hire a firm to test Absolutely. our own processes." I, I and and yet they're just trying to stay on top of the pile they've got. And I think if they did that, uh, you'd you'd right. You're right. They would become so much more efficient. So I think yeah, one of the on um, one of the things that made it hard in the past was having a, a place to practice. Right, having yeah. to have a place to do red team blue team drills. Um, you know, in the past yeah. probably three to five years now, um, cyber range or cyber ranges, I should say, um, as a SaaS platform have become available. Yeah. 
Um, and they are, uh, they have gotten extremely good. I, I played with them uh, when they first came out and they were kind of clunky. Okay. Um, and I've also played with them in the last, in the last 18 months or so where they've gotten very, very um, flexible, very quick. Um, and, you know, you can literally overlay your, you know, your network configuration into a cyber range and they host the drills for you. They can, they can wow, act okay. as red team and blue team. Um, they can act as just a moderator for you uh, and, uh, and give you analysis along the way. So, uh, you know, if, if, if you know, if, as a security organization, if you are, if you are getting yourselves out of that rabbit hole and into the, into the practice mode, look at cyber ranges to help you don't, don't have to try to build it yourself in a practice network in a lab. Mm-hmm. Look at these guys. Um, look at these organizations that can provide you with these services. They are tremendous. Oh, that, that's a great suggestion, Rick. No, I, I think that's outstanding. What one of the things I always like to ask, you know, you've shared some tremendous insights already, but um, with our industry experts, I ask you to be a prognosticator for a second. And if if you're giving one piece of advice to our listeners to really think about over the next six to 18 months, I know that's an eternity in cybersecurity. Um, what's one thing you'd really encourage people to, to keep an eye on um, in the battle for cybersecurity? So what, what I'll say is, you know, without having my crystal ball handy here, <laughs> what I'll say is, is, is you know, as, as I was thinking about and preparing for today's conversation with you, you know, I sat back and I looked at my life as doing this over the past 20, 25 years. And a lot of things haven't changed. Um, you know, visibility is key. That's always been the case. Um, you know, you look at the Lockheed Martin uh, kill chain model mm-hmm. came out I don't know, a dozen years ago. Mm-hmm. It's still valid today, although we have the MITRE attack framework, which is much more detailed mm-hmm. um, and has they've exploded the, uh, the kill chain a lot. Um, still very similar, right. right? Attackers still do the same sets of things. They just do them in different novel ways that catch us, right? So my, my point is that, is that we're dealing with the here and now, and, and, and that's built on our past history. We know it. So what you need to be ready for, while I can't tell you the exact same, you know, the exact next vulnerability or compromise (laughs) technique or whatever, right. Is, is again, it sounds like a broken record, broken record practice, Mm. right. Be ready for the next thing because the next thing is coming. Yeah. We all know it. The, the, are the attackers who are trying to infiltrate our networks are not going to stop. So you just, you have to be ready. You can't think that you've got everything deployed. You've tested and trained and practiced enough. And you're good to go. You cannot have that mentality. You have to be vigilant. You have to continue to improve upon yourself, your your you know your solutions, and you just have to be ready for the next thing that's going to happen to you. No, you you nailed it for sure on that because attackers are also optim opportunistic, right? You said they don't have to be right every time; they just have to be right once. That's right. They could be lucky once too, right? That's right. <laughs> and and get in versus. As defenders, we've we've got to be ready and prepared and right every time. So, Rick, I, I want to thank you for taking a little bit of your time for sharing your insights and how to better secure networks. We'd ask our listeners to tune in next time for another edition of the Endace Packet Forensic Files. 
For more information about Endace's network packet capture platform and our integrations with our fusion technology partners like Plexer, please go to endace.com. Rick, thank you again and uh, have a great rest of your day. Yeah, thank you, Michael, for having me. I appreciate the time and uh, you too. Absolutely.